Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we receive with joyful hearts this morning is from the prophet Haggai, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Gideon, you guys all remember Gideon, right? Gideon lived in a time of great trouble and conflict. The Midianites were coming up from the south and raiding the land of Israel and taking everything, their food, their money, everything. Because of this, Gideon and many others complained about God. Why have you left us? Why have you forsaken us? Where are your promises? Where are the mighty works you did back in Egypt? They accused God of leaving them. But of course, it wasn't God who had failed. It wasn't God who had forsaken Israel, but Gideon and the Israelites who had forsaken God. Gideon himself had an altar to a foreign god in his very backyard, so to speak. All the city came to worship a false god at Gideon's father's altar. And here he is blaming God. Gideon and the people of Israel had forsaken God, and because of that, they did not have peace. They had trouble and conflict. Yet in his mercy, God appeared to Gideon. At first, Gideon didn't believe that it was God. He asked for proof. And the Lord reached out his staff and touched the altar, and it burst into flames. And then when Gideon realized that it was God, he was filled with fear. Here he was, a sinner, worshiping at a false idol in the presence of God. He was certain he was going to die. But the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so Gideon built another altar. And he named it Yehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. 
Gideon saw the peace that the Lord brings, the peace that came to him that he did not die in the presence of God, the peace that the Lord had come to bring to the Israelites in the midst of their conflict, in the midst of their trouble. Jesus brings peace. He brought peace to Gideon and all of Israel, and he comes to bring us peace as well. We also can have peace this Christmas season and and throughout our lives, not by making the perfect Christmas, not by how well we decorate or how good our cookies are, not by making sure the whole family is gathered together, not even by finishing our Christmas shopping, although that might give us a little bit of peace. We can have the peace that Jesus brings, that Jesus gives to troubled people whose lives are, are filled with conflict. Jesus reminds us in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus brings peace. And the peace of God that Jesus brings to us is so much more than we realize. Of the three altars of the Lord that we've talked about in our Advent Sunday so far uh, this year, uh, Yahovah Yara, the Lord sees, right? Yahovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner, and then today, Yahovah Shalom, the Lord brings peace. Of these three, this is probably the first one that some of you maybe recognize the word, the name of this altar, Shalom. It's such a a popular word in the Hebrew language and is so often even used as as a greeting that many of us have have probably heard it before. Even the the children probably have heard it in uh, Aladdin. They they use it in Aladdin. Shalom, peace. But what you maybe don't realize is how rich this word is in the Hebrew language. How much fuller the Hebrew word shalom is than the English word peace. The English word peace basically just refers to an absence of conflict. If a nation is not at war, it's at peace. If you're not fighting with your spouse, right, your house is at peace. So the English really just, just focuses mostly on the, what's absent. No conflict. But the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word can be used that way. There's no conflict, there's no war. But more often, it's used to focus on not what's absent, but what is present. It's not just that a nation is not at war that brings it peace, but that it is prospering, that has good relations with its neighbors. It's not just that you're not fighting uh, with your spouse that brings you peace, but that your life is going well, that you're healthy and and good, and your your crops are prospering, that everything is, is well and good, and the Lord is blessing you. That you are filled with good things. The peace of God is not just the absence of conflict with God, but the fullness of his blessing. That's why Simeon, when he comes into the temple and he sees the Messiah, he sees the baby Jesus and even holds it in his arm, he responds, Lord, now you let your servant depart in peace 
He's not asking God for peace. He's stating that God has given him peace. Simeon's life was probably not one filled with conflict. Uh, He seems to have had a quiet life, one that we would have called peaceful even before this point. But now his life has been filled. That final blessing that he had been waiting for has been given to him. That greatest of all blessings that he saw the Savior, and therefore he is at peace. His life is full. His life is complete. That's what we, that's what we mean, too, when we uh, sing this, the same phrase, after receiving communion. That the Lord has filled us with his blessing. You complete me is a pretty cheesy line, right, from a movie. But it is a, a good description of exactly what Jesus is, is telling us here. That he fills us and makes us whole. In Psalm 35, verse 27, we read, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The word that's translated prosperity there is the same word, shalom. Lord fills us with fullness, with health, with well-being, with security, with blessing, with completeness. All of this is wrapped up in that word, that one word, shalom. That's what the Lord is is telling us every Sunday at the end of the service. When he speaks to us through the pastor, the Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. That we leave filled with the Lord's blessings. That's what the angels meant when they appeared to the shepherd and said, peace on earth. Again, not just that man is no longer in conflict with God, but because of the forgiveness of sins that is ours through the baby Jesus, through that Redeemer, that God's people are now filled with grace and every blessing. Luther reminds us of that. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life, grace, and every blessing from the Lord. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord brings peace. In our text this morning, the people were certainly not at peace by any definition of the world. Their, their lives were filled with conflict. The people that Haggai is, are, is talking to are the people who have returned from exile in Babylon. But when they came back to the land of Judah, they did not find things easy and prosperous like they were hoping. Instead, their neighbors to the north, the Samaritans, were uh, attacking them and causing all kinds of trouble. Their crops, their farms were were not producing uh, the way that they should have been. And the temple of God had not been rebuilt. It was left unfinished. Nothing about their lives was at peace. Instead, it was was filled with incompleteness and conflict. And the Lord comes in our text through the prophet Haggai and promises them the coming of the the desire of all nations who will bring them peace, shalom. The peace that God promises them in our text really focuses on three uh, major things that God promises to bring them in in this peace. 
And the first that, that he talks about is the strength of the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, Shealtiel. Be strong, all the people, in the strength of the Lord. In the Hebrew, that word shalom is sometimes used to apply to a wall. A wall is said to be at peace when it is without cracks, without holes. When the mortar that was used is good mortar and holds it together when it is complete. When there are cracks or holes or, or there is bad mortar, the wall is weak and able to, likely to fall apart. It's not at peace. The people in our text were weak, full of cracks and holes, full of problems. They were not strong in the Lord. They had not finished the temple of the Lord. They could not defend themselves against the aggression from the north. What was causing these cracks? Because they weren't held together by the strength of the Lord. They had not put the Lord first in their lives. They had given up on building the temple and had instead dedicated themselves to their own homes and their own farms. Jesus reminds us, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. God is that mortar that holds all the pieces of our life together and when we don't put God first, when we don't fill our lives with that mortar, that strength of the Lord, it's not well, it's not whole. It's filled with cracks. The Lord speaks to us in Deuteronomy 29, 19. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. In this passage, God is comparing those who follow the dictates of their own hearts instead of putting the Lord and his word first in their lives. He's comparing them to drunkards who think that they're walking straight, but in fact are weaving all over, right? When we don't put the Lord first in our lives, when we think we know best and we can go forward and make a prosperous life for ourselves by our own strength, our life is like that walk of the drunkard. We don't often even realize how not straight it is. The Lord tells Joshua and Shealtiel instead to be strong and the people to be strong in the Lord. He is the mortar that holds us together, that brings all those pieces of our life together in peace and strength. To be strong in the Lord means to put his word first in our life. Yehovah Shalom, the Lord brings us peace. The second aspect of this peace that the Lord talks about in our text is unity. Unity in the Lord. In the book of Job, the word Shalom is used with regard to, to uh, Job's flocks. The flocks of animals are said to be at peace when he counts them and they're all there. If some of the animals are missing... The flocks are not at peace. They are not complete. The people in our text were incomplete. There, was, there were many people missing. They had returned from exile in Babylon. Cyrus had given that decree that God had said all the, all the Jews could return to their homeland, but most of them had not returned. 
Only a remnant had gone back. And when they'd gone back, they found the towns were empty, the countryside sparsely populated. They, they went to the temple and there were not many people there. This was discouraging to them. Especially those who remembered what it was like before the Babylonian captivity. They were incomplete. They were missing. Jesus, again, the Lord again promises uh, in our text that he will gather all the nations. The desire of nations shall come and all, not just the, the Jews, but all the people, all the nations will stream to this temple. And he's talking there not about the temple in Jerusalem, but of course about Jesus himself. We talked about that last week. The Lord is our banner. And through him, he gathers all his people together. He brings all the flock of God to its fullness, to its completeness. We are incomplete, just like uh, the Jews in our text, aren't we? There are people missing who should be here. And it, it makes us incomplete. Some are missing because they've gone before us uh, and now wait in heaven until we, we join them there, right? Some are missing because they, they can't come uh, because of health reasons or, or some other reasons, right? And sadly, some are missing simply because they don't understand the importance of being here together and receiving God's word together and the fellowship that God wants us to have. But whatever the reason, their missing, their lack, makes us incomplete, not at peace. The Lord promises to be the good shepherd that seeks the lost sheep that unites his church, that brings us back together. He talks about this in the book of Revelation. The, the book of Revelation really stresses that, the fullness of the church, the completeness that will be ours in the life to come. The 144,000, the full number of God's believers, not exactly 144,000, but symbolic, far more, a multitude too great to number. The fullness of God's church from every tribe and tongue and language and nation brought together through our Lord and Savior, given peace by being together. God promises that fullness, that completeness, that unity. Jesus brings us peace, Jehovah Shalom. And finally, the third aspect of this, of this peace that our text really emphasizes is that prosperity that fullness of God's blessing. In our text, the Lord reminds us, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, I will bring glory to this temple. The people were complaining because their fields weren't prospering, and God reminds them, it's because you didn't put the word of the Lord first. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, I bring prosperity. That was the job of a king, wasn't it? Especially in ancient times, the job of the king was not just to fight off the enemy, but to bring prosperity to his kingdom. That's included in that word peace. We talked about that. That's what the Israelite kings were supposed to do for the nation of Israel. Just laws, good laws, good trade relations, whatever else is needed to make the economy good, to, to give the people what they needed. Few of the few of the Israelite kings and, and few uh, leaders and rulers today are, are really that good at doing that. 
But we have God's promise that, that this is what Jesus does for us. Isaiah 9, 6-7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The nation at that time was not prospering. But God promises them that the king is coming who will fill them with the prosperity. Not the, not the prosperity of this earth, of course, but the prosperity of that world to come. The, the riches of heaven. Certainly the Lord will provide everything we need for this life. But the riches he give, gives us are, are the riches of his kingdom. Jesus is that true king who brings that true peace. Not only the end of conflict, but the fullness of prosperity and of blessing. Just like Gideon, just like the, the people of Israel, we very often blame God for the troubles in our life. Where are your promises? Where are your miracles? Where are your mighty works which you have done for others? Why have you not uh, filled our lives with those blessings? But just like in Gideon's time, the problem is not God's failure, but ours. We have erected metaphorical altars to false gods in our heart. We have decided to follow the dictates of our own thoughts rather than the word of God. And have become like the drunkard, staggering back and forth. It is not God who has failed, but we. And yet, just like at the time of Gideon, the Lord comes to us in his mercy. He comes to us in his grace. He sent his son to be born of a virgin in order to bring peace. In order to bring us the forgiveness of our sins. And through that forgiveness, grace and health and every blessing. Yehovah Shalom. Jesus brings us peace. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.